Hello and welcome back to the Friday Night Mike's podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is Sarah. Hey, guys. All right, so we are in the penultimate episode of Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Season four, season four yeah, episode season 12. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty crazy stuff happening. Uh, yeah, titled Laboring, uh, directed by Adam Davidson, written by Roland Jones. We have a lot to get into in this episode. Obviously, being the penultimate episode, it generally means that storylines that have started at the beginning of the season are really kind of coming to a head or almost coming to a head. Uh, and, you know, some of the things that happen in this episode are pretty uh, crazy, pretty brutal, even, I guess. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, Good stuff, I think. Uh, mm. A lot of wonderful moments, but then also a lot of heart-wrenching moments as well. So, Sarah, what were your general thoughts on this episode before we get into the breakdown? Oh, it was just a roller coaster of, like, emotions and just kind of like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Um, there are some light moments and, like, with the field and... The Tammy stuff is wonderful. I can't wait to get into that. Um, man, this is just not stopping for her. It's dragging out so far. <sighs> Luke's mother is extra strength crazy. Yeah, I think we can both agree that actually <laughs> that she's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, there's something something deeply wrong, I think, you know, in this scenario. I understand, like I said before, I, I understand her point of view to a degree but um at the same time it's twisting which i feel like she knows to be the facts uh just to because she's angry at the outcome you know yeah, it's, like, uh, it's not your kid back off <laughs> yeah i mean i understand right in her mind she lost a possible grandchild and all of that but i think she knows full well that you know tammy didn't say hey go get an abortion i think she knows tammy probably just gave her the information but the fact that she gave her that information at all is probably what she doesn't agree with therefore she still holds her responsible for it and you know here we are yeah yeah it's such a pro-life yeah. witch hunt you know modern day to get tammy fired like that's such ugh, drives me crazy <laughs> but that can actually happen Right, and you know we might as well just you know stick with Tammy here and keep talking about her. So, uh, Tammy, she's dealing with the incredible fallout here, right, from the board, uh, the board's decision to support her. Uh, Luke's mother is angry at the lack of the resolution to all of this because the board ultimately voted in Tammy's favor. The problem is that's not good enough. So she has to go to the media 
So media can plaster it all over the news and then everyone in Dylan can harass them. <sighs> yeah. Like, that's some next level passive aggressive hatred <laughs> going on. Like you don't even know her <laughs> at all and oh. Man, yeah. I mean rather rather than talking to her or getting her side of the story, that yeah. kind of thing, like getting the truth, right? Uh that's the problem here. We um, all know Tammy would, in a heartbeat, sit down and chat with this woman, but she just wants her head. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, the problem here is that sometimes doing the right thing doesn't get you the praise, doesn't get you uh, the moral... Well, it might give you the moral high ground, but that doesn't mean that having the moral high ground means that you're winning. Yeah. You know? Lots um, of times it means you're losing. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that... Tammy is, I guess she's trying her best to hold her head held high and say, hey, look, this is what I did. I don't regret what I did. I did what I knew to be the right thing. I did what I was supposed to. I followed the protocol. I have nothing to be ashamed of. And I'm being persecuted and eviscerated because the outcome is what people don't like. It's not that I did anything particularly wrong. It's just that down here, and I mean, I know this is across the country, and I know, and I know it's a sensitive issue, um, but whether you agree or disagree with abortion, I, I don't feel like anybody watching the last few episodes would ever think that Tammy did anything particularly wrong. And that's just me. You know, I, I, I like Tammy, thought, hey, look, she presented Becky with the options and said, this is what you could do. Uh, and at the end of the day, it was up to Becky to make the choice she wanted to make. And that was it. Um, but the problem is she chose abortion. And because she chose abortion, they're laying the blame at the feet of Tammy. And that's it. Yeah, exactly. It's really messed up. And not very logical, but I guess this woman just wants somebody to pay for it, and she can't go after Becky, because, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't, it, and she's almost not a kid. She's like 17. It, make, it doesn't make sense that she wouldn't be going after Becky, too, but... Oh, no, no, no. Remember, this, is, this poor girl was... was her mind was twisted. <laughs> I guess that's true. It, it was, it was um, you know, dragged down into the muck <laughs> by this awful, awful woman. That's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's not going to blame Becky. I mean, because blaming Becky would be, well, it would be too easy, I think. It's, it's Tammy, the adult, who uh, gets the blame here. She won't get any results out of blaming Becky. No. Yeah, it's not going to get her... Uh, anywhere with her son, that's for sure. She knows she can't go that route. Yeah. <laughs> God, I wish Luke had stepped up a little bit more. But mm -hmm. I do like that they've kept, kind of kept Luke and Becky omitted from any of this. Um, I think that's a smart way to go about it. Most shows might, you know, have Becky hear about this on the news and then, you know, stand up in front of everybody and say, this is my choice, blah, blah, blah and have to be vulnerable and, you know, lay all this hardship out. But they kind of took the high road and kept it strictly to the adults. So I, I kind of like that. You wouldn't expect it. 
well, this is a show that does things better than most shows. So, you know. Uh, yeah, so we have Paul. The I, I think he's the superintendent, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to he's think of his be. exact title. I, I think that's it. District um, supervisor or something like district, that. District, something like that. Um, he stops by and he essentially gives her a statement that she has to read. It's like a press statement. Yeah. And it's more or less a apology, which really rankles Tammy because, again, she doesn't feel like she did anything wrong. When he says, hey, we need to go and make a statement to the press, Tammy's thinking, yeah, sure, great. I'm totally for this. Let's get the truth out there. But it's not about the truth. Again, this is all about – it's all about mitigating the damage. And so they, they have prepared a statement for her. It's basically an apology uh, – that she has to read in front of everybody. Um, you know, it's just, it's a creating a situation that Tammy can go up there, say she's sorry, and make this all go away. That's what they want. It doesn't, again, at the end of the day here, we have to remember, it doesn't matter what's right. It doesn't matter what the truth is. It only matters how it's being spun. Yeah. And that's it. Because, I mean, we see this all the time, you know, whether we're talking about politics or there are just so many stories out there, um, you know, both big and small, where the truth, to a certain extent, doesn't really matter. It's how it's perceived. It's how it's spun. It's how it's presented. And, you know, if people knew the truth about a lot of stories, like the actual truth, they probably would be really surprised, actually, you know. Um, but it happens all the time. So in this instance, it's kind of a representation of a lot of those stories where what the truth is doesn't matter. It's how it's being presented to the public. And then the public, however they feel, then turn and, you know, pick one side or the other. And then next thing you know, you have a media firestorm. Yeah. And we have what we have here. Uh, the truth... The real truth is that Tammy didn't do anything wrong. She presented Becky with her options, did what she did uh, because based on protocol, and that's it. Uh, but, of course, this is being spun as this awful woman ha- uh, basically marched Becky down to the clinic and made her get an abortion. Yeah. Pretty, and that's I mean, it. You know. disgusting. Yeah. It's amazing how final line it is between religion and politics sometimes (laughs) yeah it's true i mean it is and again i understand it's a sensitive issue however you know i feel like the show did a great job of i think a great job of making sure that it was done with a, a certain level of care and nuance and um respect i think Uh, So I I really appreciate the fact that uh, understanding that it is a divisive issue, they did it in a very good way. They did it in a way which just kind of presented it and said, it happens, this is an option, and uh, character is going to decide, you know. But I like that it also means that there will be a a fallout because of it, Yeah. you know. Yeah, totally. Um, All right, so then after this whole thing, Tammy goes to meet a lawyer. Yeah, she wants and, to know what her options are pretty much. Yeah, uh, we have uh, the clip, and here it is. 
You know, I mean, this wasn't on school grounds. She's not my student. And, and I followed district protocol all the way. I'm not saying you don't have a case. Okay, good. Uh, if you're telling me the whole story, I think you've got one hell of a wrongful termination suit. Okay, they're trying to tell me I've got to make this big public apology. Look, you don't need to make an apology. I don't. No, but if you don't and they take your job, I'll file that in court. And I got a pretty good idea we'd win. Okay, good. But I want you to know something, Tammy. Cases like this can drag out. It can take a long time. Well, what do you mean? I mean, when you say long time, is that months or...? It could take years. And it's possible we could get you reinstated at the end of it all, but I doubt that. And then while the case is pending, you're... Let's face it, you're going to have a hard time getting work as a high school principal when this is going on. My record is exemplary. I understand that, Tammy, but there's law. Then there's life. Okay, so I guess my question for you is, was he right? Do you think that this is exactly how it would go down? That she would be fighting these legal battles for years, her reputation as a teacher and went well, on as a teacher, I guess, as a, as a principal would be destroyed. Um, she wouldn't be able to get a job. It basically would make her life a living hell, pretty much. Um, do you think that that's how it would go down? In Dylan, yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of time for people to spread rumors, spin their own lies and their own webs, and everyone's got to have their own opinion. I think that's a fairly accurate representation of what would happen. Uh, it's certainly not right. And also the lawyer is kind of looking at this from the point of view of people who get into lawsuits are generally after money. And, you know, if that's what she wants, then, yeah, why not go for months and months and go after these people? But that's the opposite of who Tammy is. So hearing all this is kind of heartbreaking that she wouldn't be able to have her job after this because that's what she does i mean that's who, what she wants to do she wants to help people right and look she has a family to support too we have to remember that it's not like it's not like she doesn't have to work you know it's a household that requires two incomes like most households do she she needs a job you know <laughs> and it has to pay well enough um i mean don't get me wrong i'm sure she could find something somewhere but um a there's no guarantee that it would pay what she's getting now and be, of course, as anybody, you want to get something that is fulfilling as a job. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I agree. Um, and I like how, in a lot of ways, the, the lawyer is very blunt here. Right? He, he doesn't beat her on the bush. He basically comes out and says, look, again, she has the moral high ground. She's not in the wrong. Okay, He agrees with her. Look, you have a case. You know, we could win this case. The problem is it's going to stretch out for a long time. So, again, it's like this wonderful thing that the show does where sometimes it presents the characters in such a way where even though they're right, even though if you look at the situation that they're in, they're the ones that can look at themselves in the mirror and say, I didn't do anything wrong. But that does not mean that life is fair. <laughs> Definitely doesn't. And again, I mean, look, this is a great illustration of that, that Tammy is right, and yet at the same time, it is not going to work out for her. Uh, and she's under a lot of stress, and, you know, she's, 
you know, she's driving to school and it's just people, you know, holding signs up and, and yelling at her. That, uh, she goes home. It's just breaking her down. Right, breaking her down. She's just, it's overwhelming for her. It's stressful. Of course, she goes home. Eric, you know, does little more than ask her what the lawyer said. You can tell she doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, she's just constantly under this stress. People are um, calling them all the time to scream baby killer at them and all other kinds of horrible things. <laughs> God. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we have, um, let's move on to Eric here. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of come back around to finish up with the, the two of them. But, you know, Eric has the Panthers Lions game nearing. Uh, it appears like the Lions field is not in the best condition. Um, although it, like one of the characters says, you know, nobody, no, basically nobody got hurt. All season. Everything's been fine. Basically, but, the Panthers are just whiny little... Yeah. Horrible. Like It's Joe McCoy. He's going to bitch about anything. <laughs> right. Um, and I put, you know, while you can see while you can see that there is some legitimate concerns, because if there are, like, potholes and stuff, I mean, a player, you know, steps in that pothole, could injure himself, twist his leg, you know, things like that. Um, so there is some legitimate concern for the Panther players, and for the players in general. However, uh, Joe McCoy and Wade Aikman, they basically try to leverage this situation to their advantage in getting the game moved to a neutral site, therefore a more Panther-friendly location, Mm -hmm. namely anywhere that isn't the Lions field. So, uh, yeah, Yeah, this is basically what you said. Nice, rich, white people having to come down to their field... (laughs) with like on the poorer side of town yeah god forbid right like i like as eric is driving home he's listening to the radio and we have calls from people saying things like you know it's just different down there it's just different on the other side of town i heard their gang i hear i heard their gang members on the team you know (laughs) yeah people love to make their own assumptions and yeah (laughs) So, so what we have here, um, so Landry, of course, with the team, puts all these uh, toothpicks. They spend several hours putting thousands of yeah, toothpicks. The entire night, easily. Or all, yeah, uh, putting toothpicks in the Panthers' field, and it's hilarious. They come out to practice, and there's just all these toothpicks. In the field, thousands of them, and it takes them a couple of hours to get these toothpicks out. Now, not only is it hilarious, but it also causes the Panthers players two hours to get them out. Now, this is just a, pr- a prank. It, it's a harmless. Pretty harmless. Y- yeah, it's a harmless, pr- and it's annoying, I'm sure. Except but for the one coach who got one through his foot, that looked like it hurt a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, that probably did hurt. But <laughs> but on the whole, it's a very harmless prank. Yeah. Um, but the retaliation is brutal and way over the top. Oh, my God, so, yeah. So the Panthers players crash into the field in their trucks. They, they just rip and tear the whole field up. Then they attach chains to the goalpost, and they, they pull them down. The brand-new um, goalpost, too. Yeah, these are expensive. It is not cheap whatsoever to put these things up. 
or to replace them. Uh, and the field, of course, becomes useless at that point. Yeah. Now, uh, what was possibly a usable field now becomes completely destroyed. Um, of course, this is awful, and Eric is angry about it. He calls uh, Tammy, and she's in the office with Wade Aikman. Wade's like, "Oh, hey, look! If it was any of my players, don't worry; they will never, they won't play. Uh, they won't bullshit. play on Friday, which is yeah, it's complete bullshit because you know, you know all too well he will play every single player on that team. There's no way he's going to suspend anybody, which of course doesn't happen, right? Because all the parents are like, no, my kid was at home the whole time, you know, whatever. Um, so, of course, Eric is right. He's not uh, playing on an even field. And Tammy is right because she is not playing on an even field either. Neither she nor her husband are getting a fair treatment, nope. basically. But they both did the right thing and they're both getting punished for it. Yep. So, um, of course, this worked out just how Joe wanted, right? This is how McCoy wanted it. In the end, they have to play the Dillon Panthers, and they have to play the Dillon Panthers in Dillon West. They have to go back. So Eric has to go back to the place he coached, back to the place where he won a state title, um, back to the place he was ousted, mind you, and play the game there. It... Um, it's not fair, it's ridiculous, but that, again, is what these two storylines are illustrating. That It's not fair, but that's life. And sometimes you just don't get the fair treatment. Um, all of this leads to Eric blowing up at home. So he comes home, and he just has conceded to having to play the Dillon Panthers in their home field. He's obviously pissed off. Uh, Tammy's sitting at home. She knows that she has to give a statement. She doesn't know what she's going to say. She doesn't know what she's going to do. The phone starts ringing. We both know exactly what that phone call is going to be. And he picks up the phone and he just smashes it. And even Tammy winces. Tammy rarely winces. But even she does in this moment. Yeah. But we all knew that was going to happen. We were all thinking it like, oh, he's just going to throw that phone at the wall or something. Because screw these people. Yeah, he gets real angry. It's probably the angriest we've ever seen him. Yeah, it's because he usually is a, does a pretty good job of keeping his cool. Or at least he doesn't explode in this kind of visceral anger. Yeah, when he's angry, it's very controlled. Like... You know, with the players, when he's screaming at them on the field, that's a controlled anger. That's to get results from them. This is, you know, him in a moment of weakness, not being able to help himself. Yes. Yep, definitely. So, um, let's move on to Julie here. So, Julie really doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. In fact, she takes a big back seat. The last few episodes prior to this one is feature her much more prominently. Uh, which is good, but I think this was a good opportunity also for them to kind of say, all right, you know, we've dealt with you quite a bit in the last few episodes. We've really given you a lot of the spotlight. We're going to put you in the back seat, the back burner, um, and let some of these other characters get some of the much-needed, you know, storylines and uh, 
time in the episode to really dive into them. So the only thing we get from from uh, Julie is the opening bit of this episode where she is talking to her mom about the possibility of doing Habitat for Humanity uh, more full-time. But she tells her that she has to go to New Orleans in like three weeks and uh, it's going to cost like what is it, like $4,000 or $3,000 or something like that. Yeah, something ridiculous. It's like, are you kidding me, kid? Yeah, it's like... No, no, no. Even Tame is like, yeah, no, no, no. This is, this is not going to happen. Please. Where are you going to get $3,000? Because I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, so let's move on to Landry here. So there's an interesting moment that happened in, early in this episode. So Landry bought Jess a bike to replace the one he accidentally ran over. Remember at the very first episode, yeah. I believe, of the season, he ran over Jess's bike, which is how they met. And so that was, you know, a few months earlier. And Jess seems distracted. And she tells Landry that it's because they're going to church for the service for Calvin, uh, the guy that got shot last week. Yeah. And um, the one who got into a fight with Landry early in the season. So he's the one that got kicked off the team because he wouldn't shake hands with Landry and all of that stuff. We know how that all went down. Um, but what's interesting about this scene is that it illustrates the difference differences in each of their worlds. I found it very subtly done. So uh, first is that Landry didn't hear about Calvin's death since it happened. So it had been what, like a week, I think, at that point, or almost a week? Yeah, it, must, it can't be too long. You'd have a funeral usually a week after, two at yeah, the so, most. Yeah, so, you know, I, I understand that this isn't generally Landry's, like, world, you know, this <laughs> for him. But at the same time, given that it was Vince's friend, it was kind of one of the, surprising that he didn't even know about it. Um. And the second thing that struck me is that he didn't get a lock for her bike. And on this side of town, a lock for a bike would be needed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Vince Vince would know that. If Vince got a bike for Jess, Vince would have given her a lock to go with the bike. Landry doesn't. Because Landry doesn't, I mean, he doesn't come from this side of town. It's just not his world. And so because of that, I think it illustrates that even though he and Jess, like, obviously are in a relationship and all of this stuff, at the same time, the show continues to show in certain ways that uh, Landry, maybe not quite the fit for Jess that, you know, he needs to be, I guess, is what they're really trying to say here on top of just, you know, showing that Landry is kind of out of play, out of his element here, I guess, is what I'm looking to say. Yeah, he, sure, he certainly is. They've never really worked. It's never, they've never felt in sync, at least from my point of view. But it was kind of nice that they're both at least interested in each other and willing to try. But it's never felt like it's clicked. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah ex- I agree. I mean, there's this nice scene in the episode where Jess gives Landry an iPod, like a spare iPod mm-hmm. with music that he should play while he's practicing like his field goals and things like that. So 
like again, that was nice. And I also like that Vince in this episode kind of was giving Jess his blessing. It's weird in a way, like he's giving her his blessing to date Landry, you know, which I thought was kind of funny. But I also understand the sentiment from him. Like he sees that Landry is a good guy. And the reason that he says this is because Landry, after learning about Calvin's death in practice the next day, he stops while Vince is, I think he's doing something to his helmet. I think he's putting maybe Calvin's name on his helmet. Yeah. And Landry tells him that he's sorry that Calvin died. And at first Vince is defensive, a little hostile, of course. And he says, well, what does it matter? Like you, you barely even knew the guy. You didn't even know his last name. And Landry says, okay, actually this is his last name. And, um, you know, I, I care about my teammates. So I'm just, you know, what, I'm trying to think what he exactly he said, but he yeah, said something he was like, like, well, you're my teammate. And while I may not like, like you, but we're teammates and that means you got to stick together. And I'm sorry about Calvin Brown's death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically he was just saying, Hey, look, you know, I care about my teammates. Therefore I care about you. Yeah. End of story. You know? So, it was this nice moment and I think it showed Vince maybe for the first time, maybe he allowed himself for the first time to really see that Landry is a good guy. Um, and so therefore he gives his blessing to Jess about all this. <laughs> um, I guess it's basically him saying like, I won't bother you. I'll take myself out of the equation. You know, you guys have a nice relationship. I won't ruin it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a strong episode for Vince. Of course, we continue to see him struggle with the fallout from last week with Calvin's death. Obviously, the end of the last episode, he was just gutted, crying in, you know, Jess's arms. Um, so, after this whole this whole thing... This this gang member that Vince has been going out with and all this stuff that's been going on that was present more or less for Calvin's death, he's like, look, I we I think we found the guy. Uh, if we find this guy, do you want to come and help? Basically, go and kill him, get revenge, take him out. And Vince, wanting to do right by Calvin, do right by his friend, agrees. So... Uh, we see Jess kind of keeping tabs on, on Vince. She's like noting this whole thing that's going on. She's listening in on the conversations. And she gleans enough to know more or less what the plans are. And uh, there's this point in the episode, late in the episode, where it feels like Jess is like the good angel on Vince's shoulder. She's at his apartment, his mother's apartment, and she's trying to convince him not to go. So the gang guy's there. I can't. I don't know his name. I can't think of his name. But the gang, me- gang member. Yeah, yeah. Um, intimidating gang member. Um, where? Yeah. So he's there. He's outside. Vince. Um, I believe he has a gun. And Jess is doing everything she can to convince him that he doesn't have to do this. And Vince is. 
he's convinced that he's not good enough for Jess. And he even basically says to to her that, look, you know, you've got the guy. You've got a good guy for you. You know, you've got the guy you need for for you. And she's like, what, you're not a good guy? And he's like, no, I'm not a good guy. This is who I am. And he rushes out the door ready to go do some damage. Yeah. Um, and kudos to her. I mean, she obviously really cares. She stayed at that door the entire night. Yeah. Now, we don't know exactly how long he was gone. Probably a couple of hours. Yeah, because uh, the on... guy said it was... The guy was heading out like two hours away. Yeah. So he ends up leaving. Uh, so Vince goes to find the guy with this gang member. But at the last minute, he decides he can't do it. He realizes that there's a chance that if he doesn't stop this moment, that right now, that he will end up dead just like Calvin. And his mom is going to have to bury him. Just like at the beginning of the episode, we saw that Calvin's mom was just sobbing into, you know, Vince's arms and telling Vince that, you know, he should have stayed on the football team and and all this stuff. He always liked you. You were a good kid. Yep. Yep. And I think that there's a moment where I think Vince realizes, look, if I don't stop, I'm going to be dead too. And my mom is going to have to bury me, just like Calvin's mom had to bury him. And then she and, won't be far behind him with her addiction. Right, because if he dies, yeah, I mean, you might as well just, I mean, I hate to say it because it sounds terrible, you might as well just kill her and just <laughs> bury her. I mean, it sounds That's terrible, so but I'm blunt. just saying, like, it, it's it, it's just like it's going to kill her. Yeah, ex- you yeah know? it will be That's the end saying. of her. Yeah, she's not going to be able to live, it, you know, if Vince dies i mean she will go right back to her former life of addiction most likely um and you know an early grave is is probably on its way yeah unfortunately um so he walks away well the gang members puts a gun to his head vince is like you do what you got to do the guy just ends up you know hitting him in the head uh jumps in the car he spouts some revenge i'm gonna get you this isn't over kind of thing vince walks back uh jess is still there slumps down against the door and they embrace and more tears and crying and all that stuff so pretty really emotional moment really i mean great stuff by uh vince uh, not vince uh, michael b jordan who plays vince and uh Jeanine his name Smollett. is michael jordan yeah michael b jordan that's yep. awesome <laughs> right and uh Jeanine smollett who plays jess uh really good stuff by her in this episode as well um yeah just a really great storyline and really brings some things to a head I, I like what they i like um vince's journey in this season and this episode really brings his storyline, you know, forward significantly, really bringing us to, to ready to go into the final episode. Yeah, like he didn't turn you know bad boy into a good guy. It was more that you know he was you know, kind of a rough kid who grew up and matured as the season progressed, with the positive influences by the team and just you know, having 
good people around him. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. He isn't a bad kid. Um, he's just tough neighborhood, tough circumstances, tough fighting life. to survive. And sometimes when you have to fight to survive in a world kind of like this where the deck is sacked against you, it you do things that most other people maybe wouldn't inherently do just because you're constantly kind of fighting to survive. And going into football gave him an opportunity to not have to do that, but he still struggled with his own self-image all season with, am I the football player or am I one of the guys? You know? Yeah. What do I, where is my allegiance? Is it to the to the neighborhood and to the to the guys I've grown up with, or is it to this opportunity which can give me a future? You know, uh, exactly. and is it fair that I have this ability and some of these other guys don't? No, but it's taking what life gives you. Right. Exactly. Um. All right. So let's move on to our final. Uh, couple of characters here tim and billy so and and becky actually it's not just tim and billy it's also becky involved here i'm gonna include her um so (laughs) so becky brings tim's stuff and you know all the stuff from back at her parents or her parents her mom's uh place and the um the trailer outside all of tim's belongings she brings it including his dog. I know. Little guy. Um, so she brings it back and they kind of are hanging out um, when there's a call and it's Billy on the other <laughs> other end. And I guess they have to go to the hospital because it's now time to have a baby. And he's in his underwear again. <laughs> and he's in his underwear as always. It's like, it's like a trademark for Billy. Billy Seriously. in his underwear. <laughs> And every time I'm not prepared for it, I'm like, oh, my God, please, no. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Tim is happy. He's like, I'm going to be an uncle. So, you know, he rushes off to the hospital. And there's this hilarious scene where Billy gets kicked out of the hospital. Well, he doesn't get kicked out of the hospital. He gets kicked out of the um, delivery, delivery room. room because he's had like five – energy drinks and he's so wired that they're just like look you have got to get out of here we're kicking you out you do not need to be in here (laughs) and so that's really fun a fun scene and uh then uh tim convinces billy to go back in he's like you have to go back in it's it's your son it's your kid you need to be there to watch him be born. You have to be there to support Mindy, all this stuff. That's your right as a father, blah, blah, blah. So he goes back in and, and steps up and does what he's got to do. He just perils his way. He's like, now I'm staying. Try and get me out of here. And poor Mindy's just like, just make a decision. I'm kind of busy here. (laughs) Uh, So then uh, Mindy's mom comes out and says, you know, you're now an uncle. So Tim gets a chance to go see his his nephew. Um, and there's this look on Tim's face of 
contentment, joy. And that extends into this next scene here with Becky. So Tim takes Becky back to his parcel of land that he purchased, uh, where all of his dreams are. This pasture, this, this, you know, there's a, a, a gurgling brook there. Um, and it's, it's a nice scene. It's a beautiful scene between these two. Um, here is the clip. Do you love it? It's an understatement. <laughs> oh, man. Never thought I'd say this, but I do feel like figure it out, you know? Figure it out. Life. Life. It's all about, you know, this. You know, owning this land and, and Billy and just his, his son and the shop doing as well as it is. And, you know, I don't, it's just so, I'm happy. And I can honestly say that. <laughs> it's so great. Thank you. Tim, I love you. Okay, so what I really like about this scene, Sarah, and I'll see if you agree with this. <laughs> Tim is happy. Uh, this is the happiest I think I've ever seen Tim in my life on this show. Um, he is the most content he's ever been. He even says in this, like, I'm just, I'm happy. And I can honestly say, I can honestly say that I'm just happy, you know? Yeah, like we've seen it, him in moments in his life where he he's been happy or kind of content, satisfied with the moment with simple things, but never really. It's never been that extra step. That's what made his future, like his life, what he wants in life entirely. Right. Exactly. Tim is somebody who has these brief moments of contentment and joy and happiness, but most of the time. He's always struggling, I think, to – he's struggling to figure out what he wants in life, um, reconciling what he wants as opposed to what other people want for him, uh, living up to the expectations of other people. Um, so I think it's something that we've seen from Tim as time has gone on. He's matured. He's grown up and – we see somebody who has everything that they feel they really need. I have land. I can build my house. I'm content. Riggins Riggs is doing well. Um, I don't need anything else. And Becky is, of course, there's this, she loves Tim, uh, you know, and it's been that way for quite some time. She has this crush on him. And she tells him that she loves him. And Tim, while he wants Becky in his life, he knows this is not an option. And uh, he says this can't happen. 
And then obviously, again, it's, it's devastating. It's not the first time that this has happened. This scene has played out several times before. Uh, but even though the scene doesn't end on a pure happy note, um, obviously, it's still a nice scene. And I really, really enjoy this this whole thing. Yeah. yeah and it shows a certain level of maturity with her, too, that, you know, she was willing to, you know, risk everything to, you know, lay it out there, just let him know how she feels. But I am sure she's going to be quite content to still be his friend and still be in his life. It's not like I, either you reciprocate my feelings or it's nothing at all kind of ultimatum. It's just like, I just want to be a part of your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, moving forward here with their storyline, um, so again, Tim is at home, uh, well, at their home, Billy and uh, Mindy's. He sees Billy with Mindy and with the, ch- the children, or the child, children <laughs> the child. And, um, you know, it's a beautiful scene. Again, Tim is smiling, he's happy, and we all know what that means. The other shoe must drop. Yeah, and with Tim, it's always... If he's ever happy, it has to be taken away from him. If he's ever in a stable point in his life, it's got to be shaken up. That's just how it goes with Tim, apparently. Yeah. And I think I even talked about last episode how I'm like, okay, well, you know, they they stole the copper wire. They got away with that. Now they're doing all these cars and they get away with it again. Like, it just seems like there's no cops kind of working in Dylan. But apparently they do exist. Yeah, they do. And uh, Tim is at Riggins Riggs. He's just sitting there, not really doing anything. There's a knock on the door, and uh, cops come inside. And they they tell him, you know, we're here to ask questions about some missing vehicles. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So then we see Tim uh, in jail, sitting there. Uh, he's obviously scared. He's worried. And then we see Billy brought in. And so he sits down next to Tim, tells him that he's sorry. And that is that. Yeah, pretty potent episode. Yeah, it is a potent episode. And the way it ends is just like a gut punch. Like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's a combination of the stuff going on with Tammy and Eric, which, you know, end the episode. And then, you know, tie that in with what's going on with Billy and, and Tim, it, it's some pretty brutal stuff. It's This is a tough episode to watch in a lot of ways because you're seeing all the characters facing this monumental challenges and obstacles in front of them. Uh, either they have been dealing with it for a while, like Tammy has, and like Eric to a certain extent, or with Billy and Tim where it's just now happening. Like they're getting hit with this and on one hand you're thinking okay maybe this is going to happen no matter what but it's still tough to see tim dealing with this and knowing full well that he is in big trouble yeah this is not something that can be you know rectified in a two episode arc this is major yeah yeah it is it's a really nice episode i really uh, enjoy this episode a lot. Um, I thought that the writing was really top notch here. I think that the, 
there's a lot of time devoted to most of the people that needed it. You know, Vince got a lot of time in this episode. Um, I thought there was a lot of time devoted to Tammy and Eric, of course, and they of course they they needed it because they had storylines that required multiple scenes to do them justice. Um, I just felt like it was well balanced. Uh, like I said, t- uh, not Tammy, um, J- Julie is the only character who I felt was on the back burner in this episode. But like I said, I felt like that was a good thing. Um, she didn't need to be at the forefront. She's had plenty of episodes recently where she was kind of the main focus or one of the big focuses. But beyond that, everybody seemed to have some some big moments. Um, Luke, I think, was the only other character that didn't have a, a ton uh, there, you know. Yeah, but that's it. Just recovering mm-hmm. off on the sideline. But everybody seems to be... Everybody who's a good person doesn't deserve some kind of punishment seems to be getting punished this episode. Uh, the title laboring is definitely justified. Yeah, because they are all laboring under some heavy stuff. Very heavy stuff. Um, yeah, so I love this episode. I think it's very well written. I thought the performances were really top-notch here. Uh, there wasn't a single uh, false note, I think, in the entire episode. Uh, you know, on one hand, you could look at the way the storylines evolved uh, over the course of the season. And when you see Tim and Billy, and of course, Billy has a kid, and then boom, this happens. Tim gets his land, and then boom, this happens, and think, oh, of course, you know, roll your eyes kind of thing. But the show does a great job of of never making you feel like this kind of situation, which if presented in a different way on a different show, or at least a different version of this show, it might not come across as nuanced and polished as it does here. Yeah. But it does come across very polished and very well done. It does make me wonder, though, like because Tim bought the land with money from chopping cars, does the land get taken from him, or does he still get to keep that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that is an excellent question, and one that we may find out about. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. So anyway, I like this episode a lot. Like I said, the writing is fantastic. The acting is phenomenal. As always, it really seems to really uh, amp up the tension at this portion of the season, as it should. Uh, there was a lot at stake in these storylines, and I just, I just think that the show is running at near perfection um, it, right now. It's about as good as you can get. Uh, this, to me, is an almost perfect episode of the show. Uh, one of the best, I think, in a very strong season thus far. Um, I got to give it an A plus because it it's deserving of it. I really do. I think it's a very very strong episode for the show on the season four, but I also think it's one of the best episodes of the series. Yeah, it's it's a very strong episode dealing with some really heavy subjects. I mean. We have uh, Tammy dealing with, you know, the 
abortion claims against her and dealing with Vince, <laughs> you know, trying to get justice for his dead friend. It's all very, very heavy, and it's done in a way that's, you know, you don't feel like, like, overwhelming depression with everybody's, like, really sad stories. Like, it's done in a way where it's, like, it's powerful, and that's what you appreciate about it. Everything has, like, it's powerful to each character, and it's something to appreciate. Uh, I agree with you. I think it was an extremely strong episode. Um, I can't find any faults in it. Like, everyone was really up on their A-game. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything I didn't like about acting or the story, so I have to agree with you. A+. plus. Okay. Uh, all right. We... Um going to be heading into our final episode um shortly recording that um we're doing two tonight uh so uh, sarah how can they contact us if they want to write into the episode give us their thoughts and opinions on either this episode the show any past episodes any future episodes uh how can they do that uh, if you want to you can send an email or voicemail to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com or around on Twitter at Freak Geeks Media. And also if you want to go on to patreon.com for forward slash freaking geeks, you can check out our different content and subscriber levels we have out on there. And also, of course, we're out of course on iTunes. Uh, if you wanna look us up on there, give us a rating review, we definitely appreciate that. Alright. Um, I guess we'll see you guys in the next episode here. I guess we're recording Real it very quick. soon. <laughs> Real quick here, I'll take one right into it. So um, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Um, yeah, we'll go into the next one. We have a lot to talk about, of course. Episode 13 of Season 4, the final episode. And of course, once we're done recording that, we'll be done for this this uh, year. And we'll be picking up, starting with the first episode of Season 5, next uh, next year. Next probably, year. <laughs> yeah, next year. Um you know, the, like the first week of January, I think at the end of the first week of January, I believe. So, um, yeah. So anyway, look forward to the next episode and it'll be coming up soon. All right. See you later. Yeah.